Hey everybody, it's Sheree, and I'm here with Danielle. Hi. And we're back again to discuss um, really the idea of validation, uh, which is a really important topic. Um, I think it's always been an important issue, but with social media um, being such a a way of life. Um, it is a topic that I think we would be remiss if we didn't discuss because it affects everybody's life. Um, so there was a sermon by Pastor Steve Furtick. And one of the things that he mentioned in the sermon was that we need to do what we do based on our values and not validation or for validation um and so you know sometimes you hear something in a sermon and it sounds good uh, but then the second piece of it you know it's a catchy phrase but then the second piece of it is kind of saying mm, you know where does that apply in my life and I know validation has been something that I struggled with in the past um just you know what is what is my place in this world? And when I do things, when I perform, when I achieve, am I doing that out of uh, a desire to please God and live out my purpose? Or am I doing it because I want others to see that and validate me for those things. Um, and I think, again, it's something that pretty much everybody has has struggled with at some point in their life. Of course, it's going to be more of a struggle for others uh, than it is for, for some, but it is definitely that um, I've struggled with personally. How about you, Danielle? Oh, yeah. Um, not just something that I struggle, I've struggled with, but something I still struggle with today. Um, I, so when we talk about validation, the definition of validation is the recognition or affirmation that a person or their feeling or opinions are valid or worthwhile. And when we talk about validation, the flip side of that is rejection. Um, and I, you know, I've taught lessons on rejection and have dealt with my own feelings of rejection and sort of the, the tree that grow from that root and how it can just you know direct your life when you experience a rejection or an abandonment at an early age and so for me having felt rejected at some point in my childhood uh, it really set me on a course to to require that I have constant validation to make sure that I don't have to live through the trauma of rejection, you know, ever again, because it was so traumatic. So in ministry, I, you know, I find it in my job. I want, I want the acceptance. I want to know that what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, how I look is pleasing to other people and that they are accepting of who I am. And that puts me at odds at a lot of times, you know, a lot of times with what it is that God wants me to do um, and what he wants me to say. I remember early on in my ministry, 
you know, I got caught up, you know, I often got caught up in saying things a certain way or trying to have a, a catchy title or um, trying to get a, an amen or trying to get the crowd stirred up or whatever that looked like. And, you know, as I progressed in my ministry, I got to the place where I really heard God saying that you are drifting away from what it is that I'm asking you to say, and you're chasing after the crowd. Mm -hmm. You're chasing after what it is that they, what you think, really what it is that you think they want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's not even what they want to hear. It's what you think they want to hear. And he showed me like, you have such limited vision. And if you would just trust me enough to, um, to be able to step out in faith and do what it is that I've asked you to do, um, to do what is, you know, what it is that I've called you to do, you will see that you will give the people not what is they what you think they want, but it's what they need, right? And so when we struggle with this, this validation, the thing is that we end up, we meant out on um, being our authentic selves. And really, oftentimes, that's what people are, that's what they need. And that's what they desire, right? Exactly. Because if we're out here trying to emulate somebody else, that other person already exists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're thinking about it in terms of followers or, you know, uh, understudies or, or whatever, if if you're just emulating somebody else, what, what why do they need to come to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do they need a, a carbon copy of T.D. Jakes when they can just go watch T.D. Jakes? Yep. And we not only, like you say, rob people of what they need, they're we rob God of his praise because he wants to be glorified through you, yeah. not, you know, some regurgitated version of, of somebody else. Yep. He desires to do a new thing. And then the other person that we rob is ourselves because when we look uh, for validation, we're often saying, and knowingly or unknowingly, God, you're you're not enough. Yeah. What your opinion of me, that's not enough. That that doesn't sustain me. And we rob ourselves of a very deep and intimate relationship with God. Uh, we rob ourselves of the growth um, that we could experience because when and we talk about this a little bit on our podcast, but when we start to peel back those layers, God desires to shape us and mold us and prune us. And if we are not being our authentic selves, how can he groom us? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's such a good point. Um, what you were just saying about, uh, you know, just miss on, on what God has for us and being a carbon copy, you know, when I, I think a lot about first John two and 16, it says for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, chasing after or wanting that applause really just goes back to like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I'm getting right. caught up in the crowd and their acceptance of us. The thing about it is that they're so fickle. They're so fickle. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and as we approach, um, you know, as we, we're recording this, we're approaching, we're on Good Friday and we're approaching Easter and we, you know, we know, or the resurrection, resurrection Sunday. So we know the story of how the crowds accepted him on one Sunday and then by that Friday they had turned on him um, on him being Jesus and so we know that the crowd is fickle and God knows that the that the that the crowd right and that oh, the yeah. lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes all it, it's temporal so it's always changing what's hot is always changing mm-hmm. what's what's in is always changing what's what's you know and the target is always yeah the target is always moving it's all it's always moving but what I know to be true is that what pleases God today pleases God tomorrow. And so mm-hmm. he's like, you know, if you would just seek to please me, you could develop, number one, some consistency in your life and in your walk. <laughs> but you would also have a peace because you know I set out before you what's acceptable, you know, exactly. what's going to be pleasing. And so there isn't um, a lack of security in chasing after pleasing mm-hmm. me. Whereas when we talk about the world, yeah, what's, you know, we, we have this cancel culture where one misstep and everybody's willing to cancel you out, you know, yeah. every, all the good mm-hmm. that you've done, all of the, the, you know, the height that you, you were getting, the praise that, you know, was being thrown at you, all of that, just one misstep and, you know, and you're canceled for for the next 10 years um, or never to return again and there's no consistency there's no peace there's no joy in that because you've always you're always having to chase the crowd and like you said that that target is always moving so it's exhausting right yeah um, and God's like I didn't design you that way I didn't I didn't call you to that and more importantly you aren't put in this earth to follow you're put in this earth to lead and that's a struggle that I've always had because I've really for many years just wanted to be a follower I didn't want to be a trendsetter I don't want to be different I wanted to be like everybody else and the more I tried to be like everybody else the more I saw that I didn't fit in and that was frustrating so I had to try harder and it was exhausting when God is like if you could just be your self you will draw people to you and I have to communicate this to my teenager over and over again and I know what it feels like to be a teenager you know that's probably where where it hits you hardest when you just want to be accepted because you don't even feel like a, a a foreigner in your own body because of hormones and you're changing and you know you're you you know you're you're kind of a kid but you're kind of an adult and you feel both of these things and you just you just want someone to accept you because you don't feel like yourself and if you don't get control of it then you know in those moments when you you know when people of that and you allow yourself to create those pathways in your brain where you're always searching after that then I feel like it, it just it gets it in front of it it's just really a struggle and I know that that's sort of the root of where um, my insecurities and my need for validation stem yeah so let's let's go to some scripture how about that Sheree, you, you identified two great scriptures, um, and I can read the Galatians scripture that you that you identify, Galatians 1.10, and it reads, I'm reading from the New International Version, it says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hmm, that's a good one. 
Yeah, Paul speaking there. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, different translations will use the word servant or bond servant, but what they were really trying to convey here was slavery. And I know that that seems like a harsh word, but we are not servants of Christ. We are not, you know, uh, a person who can decide when and how, how often, to what degree we're going to offer our services. We are called to be completely consumed by Christ and led by him. And how could you possibly do that if your mind and your desires are fixated on trying to please man? Because if it's one thing we know from the time Christ entered this world is that he turned everything upside down. Yeah. His lessons, his teachings, they ruffled feathers. Um, so much so that people plotted to kill him. And he was not concerned about that. The first recorded words we have of Christ what they were when his parents couldn't find him and then later located him in the synagogue he said didn't you know I'd be about my father's business Hmm. that's the first thing that we have that Christ said Mm -hmm. so his entire life up until the time he said it is finished everything in between was about his father's business and living his life in order to please God. Yeah. That was his motivation for everything. And as we run to the crowd, we see over and over in scripture, Christ doing the opposite. <laughs> he was pushing away from the crowd. I needed to get away from the crowd. And he pulled away from the crowds at the time where we're pulling towards them the most. He pulled away after he did the miracles. Mm. And that's what we do. We put on a show or we do something and then we run into the crowd like, hey, look at me. <laughs> did y'all see that? Did, yeah. And Christ did the exact opposite. Right after he did miracles, he, he got away. And maybe part of why he got away was because he was still fully human. Yeah. And he knew that that amount of adoration could poison you. Yep. 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 And you know it's so interesting. So I I think about <laughs> I taught on um, Wednesday about the triumph, you know, the triumphant um, entry into Jerusalem, and so that is like one of those times where you see Christ. You know, he was on you know on a colt or on a donkey, depending on what what narrative you read, um, and he's going in and he's receiving this praise, right? Um, but you do recognize that he allowed that level of um, adoration and praise only at certain times, right? So mm-hmm. it's very he was very specific about when he allowed it, and it was always to bring God glory or to 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 sh- to prove a point to someone else, right? To teach a mm-hmm. lesson. And so it wasn't just sort of this vain adoration. Um, And so even in the triumphant 
entry into Jerusalem, he it was to fulfill scripture. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it was exactly. to fulfill the prophecy that went before right. him. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna get up on this donkey and I'm gonna ride it in here and y'all gonna lay you lay, lay your clothes coats down and your you know, it no, that was that was the prophecy. That was what was foretold. And so it was to perform that. I think about um, his, you know, when the woman comes and anoints his feet with oil and, you know, that was a teaching moment. And it even right. says that she was going to receive some, you know, some, um, some acknowledgement for it because, you know, her name is going to be mentioned, like the story is going to be told, you know, so it's, it's all of that. Even when people tried to come up to him and he's like, he's like, why are you calling me good? Right. Exactly. <laughs> no one, one is good, good but the father. God. Right. Exactly. He's very controlled in that and acknowledging that he, because he is human, there is this natural inclination to change after the lust of the eye, the lust, you know, the yeah. lust of the floor. And, and it's him. been there. It's been there from the beginning of time because it's the, it's the same thing over and over since the Garden of Eden. Yep. It's a, it's the same. It lives within us, and to deny it is to be ignorant. And it's something that I think when you know yourself, um, and you have been really honest about those aspects. Because nobody, I mean, it's pride. So pride within itself doesn't like to acknowledge pride. <laughs> That's part yeah. of being proud. Um. But I think about this, I, you know, on Instagram, so my profession is a dermatologist, which it, it has a, a, a sort of a glamorous side to it. You know, people think about, you know, the cosmetics of it and, you know, it ties in with the beauty industry and all of that. And so I have a mentee who, you know, wanted to work with me on my Instagram page because I mean, I had, you know. I don't know, at the time, maybe like a thousand and something followers where some of my colleagues across the country, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 followers. And, you know, she's like, I want your page to be like one of their pages and da, 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 da. And there'll be a moment in time where I say, oh, okay, yeah, okay. So what do we need to do? And, you know, okay, well, take this, you know, glamour shot. And okay, then you post this quote and do, and then at some point I always, give up on it like it's so short-lived because I don't want to get caught up in this need for likes and validation I don't want that and if I find myself spending too much time thinking about what I want to post how I want to phrase something (laughs) then I start to see that this is something that can easily consume me and yep. even when I talk to my friends that have all of these followers, and I ask them, you're always posting. How much time do you spend on here? Way too much. That's mm-hmm. their answer all the time. I put way, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. There are people who make their living by doing that for businesses and, and, and public figures. That's yep. how much time and energy it takes. And it's good to build a nice organic following. And that is something that I've done. I noticed on my page that I was getting away in trying to get followers or likes. I was getting away from my authentic self. Hmm. And that troubled me. Now, if my page grows because I'm being myself and people are drawn to it, that's one thing. 
But I made up in my mind that I'm not going to post a single thing just for the likes of other people because yeah. it consumes you. It consumes you. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, you know, it is April now of 2020. I did a fast um, back in February of last year for you, sister. And uh, <laughs> I was fasting and praying for you. And the thing that I gave up was social media. And I have not been back. I have not had a personal page, I should say, um, since then, since February of 2019. I took down my Facebook page. I took down my Instagram page. And what I, what I could acknowledge then was that I was spending too much time um, as you, you know, you beautifully stated, trying to build an online persona, right? Um, and as much as I tried to convince myself that that's not what I was doing, I was just sharing my life and connecting with my friends, it, you know, kind of the proof is in the pudding, like <laughs> what you said, right. spending too much time figuring out what I was going to post or what picture I was going to post or editing this and doing that. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I remember one time I caught myself um, I think I got dressed up to go someplace and I was like, oh, I need to take a picture so I can post this. What? Like, right. What? right. <laughs> like, what's happening here? Right. This is crazy. But that's the world we live in. And so yeah. if you are not careful, if you are not careful and you are not purposely living out your life to please God, then you're going to easily get swept in and swept up with whatever is popular what other people are doing it's it's easy yeah and but and here's the flip side to that because it's like okay well so what what's the big deal about getting a lot of followers you know it's a larger platform for you to share the gospel and sort of that was not only other people's rationale to me but also sort of what my flesh was saying mm -hmm. well the more flower followers you have the more, you know, you, you can <laughs> right. post and you can reach them, right? So that's what I was trying to convince myself. But then here's the thing. How you got them is how you got to keep them, exactly. right? And so when my following grows to a certain, you know, to a certain number, then I got to be concerned with, well, if I post this and I sound to this, then what? Too preachy or too Christian. Right. Yeah. Then I got to water it down just so mm -hmm. that I don't offend anybody. Yep. Then I got to take into consideration my followers' feelings. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Exactly. I definitely have not been called to do that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because most of the time, God doesn't even consider my own feelings. So, <laughs> so it's like, no. You know, God just told me I could feel him telling me to step back from that. Now I have a ministry page from, you know, our, our small group community that we have. Um, and I'm all, I'm always on my son's Instagram checking his stuff. And if somebody posts, you know, somebody asked me to get on to, to check something out, I'll do that or to watch it live. Um, but I no longer post. In addition to that, it was also um, causing me to compare myself to other people. Oh, that's a, Biggest. and that's, that's the biggest other. struggle that's yeah other. I took a I take a I take a social media um for the last couple of years I've been doing it every year I didn't even want to get on Instagram if we're going to tell the truth my sister found me out with my Instagram page. okay I didn't want to do it me up. Me <laughs> I am What's not a bar? person I'm not a um 
And so the whole idea of Instagram was kind of like, wait, this is a whole social media uh, platform based on pictures? So for something that I was not initially interested in, I became all about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I decided that I needed to take breaks from it for the reason that you stated. It's so you see other people, you see other people that are your age, other people that are your colleagues, and you see this, like you said, online persona. You know your real life, but you know their online persona. So you try to compare your real life to what they're posting in filtered pictures. And Pastor Wesley just talked about this so sincerely last Sunday when he talked basically calling us out don't do anything for likes and followers because God has called us to a higher standard he's called us to be sold out for him and so many times what we're doing to get those likes and to get those followers is not the things that God has called us to say. Now, there are some. There are some people who've taken that platform and they have just used it to preach the gospel and they have done a wonderful job in doing that. So I don't want to take anything away from them. But you, as an individual, always have to examine my motives because the heart is wicked and deceitful. Amen. And the desires that I have in me don't always line up with the purpose that God has for my life. And so I have to put checks on it. I have to put checks on it. And it's really, you know, and it's really something that God is, God desires to show you, but you have got to, you got to ask him to show you, you got to be position to receive it right so I remember just you know a couple prayers that I prayed um sincere prayers to show me myself God show me my motive show me um those things that those ugly pieces of me that you know I have yet to acknowledge and he really did show me like all of the ways that I'm seeking validation and you know and how those conflict you know those ways conflict with my values and how I've been um what I've been called to do even down to, and, you know, so, I, you know, of course, I think social media is, uh, you know, is a, is a, one of the, the largest or the biggest ways that we, we kind of chase after that validation, but certainly just, you know, every day, <laughs> you know, being a, being a people pleaser, you know, um, not saying, you know, not saying down to like simple things, like not disagreeing with people when they say something that I don't mm. agree with. <laughs> mm, right. just kind of like oh yeah yeah and it's like I don't even agree with that like why am I why am I saying yes to that or why am I agreeing to that that's not that's I don't agree with that but being afraid to kind of voice um your um disagreement with something um that that's been a you know that's where I've seen I've seen that I really struggle sometimes you know um when I'm at work not standing up for what it is that I feel or I believe I'm just kind of going with the crowd looking for that validation um sometimes not necessarily engaging in behavior that I don't agree with um but certainly not speaking up that I have strong convictions about certain things like 
that's been a struggle for me um, at times. Um, So it's all of those things or even going out of my way to tell somebody about what I'm doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, just finding a way to work it in. Yeah. Um, One of the other ways that I've, that I have been guilty of this um, because I have, I, you know, I do have a lot going on now. Thank God I don't have as much going on um, because I've been able to set boundaries and scale back. But just this whole, like, you know, somebody asking me how I'm doing. Oh, I'm so tired. I got it. I've done A, B, and C, and D, and three of the things. Just getting people to say, oh, my gosh, you're so busy. You know, just like all of that needing to be seen, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things, and I think this was um, Pastor uh, Steve Furtick that said this. It's like, you really think you want to be seen, but what you want is to be known. Yes. And the one to, that knows you is God, right? And you can't develop that level of intimacy with anybody else, you know, that knowing that says that, yes, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, I know you intimately, and I I approve you, you are stamped approved. That, that only comes from God. Right. That only comes from God. And everything else is a is a weak substitute, and it will not sustain you. It's temporary, you know, I can get all of the yet the yays and the acceptance that I want. But at the end of the day, if I don't have that knowing that only God can give me, then I'm left feeling empty. Yes, it's a complete void. It's a complete void that only God can fill. And I think we know that when we see these unfortunate examples of people who are rich or famous or accomplished, that are depressed or commit suicide and we can look and say okay they have all of these things they have all of this applause all of these people have lifted you up and put you on a pedestal you have all of these the the world claim (laughs) to feel that like you said that that only God can fill. And what I know for me, I'm not speaking with God when I'm not speaking in the ways that I have become uh, accustomed to doing, then I look for more validation from my husband. And then he's unable to carry that burden. Yeah. Right? So what does that do? That cre- creates strife in our marriage. You don't tell me I'm pretty enough. You don't do it. Like, you didn't say thank you. You didn't do, you know what I mean? Because I'm not really upset with him. He does not have the ability to valid, to put a stamp of approval on me. Like you said, that's, uh, that can sustain me. So he can say one thing one day and then the next day, I need more. I need more. I need more. Unless I'm going to drink from the well. Yeah. Where I will never thirst again, which is exactly what Jesus was describing to the yeah. woman at the well. She was looking for that void to be filled and looking in all the wrong places. And he said, if you would just see that I have everything that you yeah. need, you are looking for acceptance because these people reject you because of your race. They reject you because of your past. They reject you because of your sin. Yep. But I see you, I know you, 
And if you would just drink from my well, you would never thirst again. You would never thirst. You would never thirst. And the other danger in looking for, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a space of, um, it's like we're in bondage and you're trapped there because one of the other scriptures we looked at was John 12 and 43. And even 42 says, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, him being Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise mm-hmm. of God. So even as Jesus walked this earth, there were so many rulers. I mean, we see Nicodemus coming to him by night. There were so many people who believed in him, but they would not confess it. They would not show evidence of it because they were scared that their status, their position, their riches, all of those things that they had accrued, they were in danger of losing those things because they wanted their position in this world more than they wanted the praise of God. And that should rule that question right there. When the Bible says you cannot serve two masters, that is a question we need to be posing to ourselves over and over yeah. again. Who is yeah. my master? Yep. What else am I trying to serve? Because you're trying to yeah. serve something. Yep. God. You don't do things without um, a motive. The only thing that is that you are not voluntarily controlling are these tiny little <laughs> muscles mm-hmm. in your body. Smooth <laughs> muscle. <laughs> Other than that, there's a reason. Yeah. There's a why. There's a motive. There's always a why. There's always a root. There's always a root. Um, you know, sometimes I get so when I'm preparing sermons sometimes I get into this battle with God um because I I like I mean I'm intrigued and I get excited about catchy titles or really deep um sayings and you know things that make you think like Mm -hmm. I get excited by that right so then when I you know when I'm preparing for my sermon it's you know and he gives me something I'm like oh yes that's good you know um and I really get excited about it right which and and that's fine but when I am when it comes from him it's great when I'm going out of my way to make something catchy or you know uh to to something witty then it's not okay and oftentimes I'm like, well, can I have it? Can I have both? <laughs> can I get their applause and your acceptance? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and he's like, there are times when you will get both. Um, but you can't be looking for both. You need to just, you know, it needs to be a byproduct of your pleasing me. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. and so then, but then, um, and because it's such a struggle for me, and this is how, you, this is where you have to know yourself. Um, and where you have to trust God. So that is a, that's a huge struggle for me, right? So God has me at a place now where I can write down my sermon, but I promise you, I will not be able to write, to read the notes. And this is a struggle that I've had. I've been in ministry hmm, for almost eight years now. And when I first started, I was like, I have to write down my sermons. I mean, 
verbatim like they at word for word they need to be written out and I'm going to read them and I'm going to read them with conviction but I'm going to read them and he allowed me to get away with that for probably about a year or two and then he was like yeah okay we need to you need to you need to grow up you need to mature so I got to the place where I could do notes and then I could use my notes um, but I was still relying too heavily on those Um, and it was like well why though it's because I didn't want to make a mistake. It's because I didn't want to fumble. I didn't want to, you know, stutter. I didn't want to be up there and, you know, and not be able to say what I thought I needed to say because I was concerned about men in their faces. You know, the, the idea of don't be concerned with men in their faces. Don't look at men in their faces. And it's, yeah, I was concerned about that, how I would be perceived. And he's like, this is not about you. This is about me using you. Um, so get out of my way. And so now, I mean, well, so probably in the past two years, it's just gotten to the place where I have notes and maybe I'll have my scriptures, but really I'm not even relying on those. And that's not out of choice. You know, that's because he's put me in that position. And and oftentimes it's, I have my notes and then my iPad doesn't work. Or I have my, I have my notes, I've typed them up and I leave the papers at home. Or last time I preached, it was because I deleted the notes like two seconds before I was supposed to get up there (laughs) to preach. And he's like, but he's, he's like, I can't, you can't be trusted to (laughs) write out your sermon and say exactly what it is that I want you to say, because it's still so much a struggle for you. And this is eight years into ministry and this is at 42 years old. Um, And, you know, it's not that I haven't accomplished things, but it's like, that. it's just, it's a struggle that I have and maybe he will bless me and I, you know, I will be able to overcome the struggle or maybe this is something I will struggle with for the rest of my life. And maybe it's the thing that keeps me humble and near the cross. Um, but mm-hmm. either way, I know that it has taught me that when I trust him and I seek his approval, that people are blessed because of it. Whether they like it or not, people are blessed. Whether they're applauding it or not, they're blessed. Whether they're, you know, you know, jumping up on on their feet, they're being blessed. And, and, and Mm -hmm. he's the other thing he was telling me, because I'm like, oh, I want the ministry to grow. I want my small group to grow. I want this podcast to grow. And he said, but would you be satisfied if only one person was blessed because of it? Right. Because what if that is what was pleasing to me? Mm-hmm. And you have to get yourself to the place where what pleases me pleases you. And if you're always, you're always pleased with something that doesn't please God, <laughs> you know, how, how can two walk together <laughs> unless they agree? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm learning and I'm struggling and I'm trying and I'm wrestling to, to be at that place. Um, but until I get to that place where our minds are aligned, then I just have to deny self, you know, and that's, that's what I'm learning. You know, I think about us being sort of, uh, John the Baptist, you know, so John the Baptist came and he said, I'm not that light, but I come to be a witness of the light. So he was there to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus came and Jesus is coming again. And so we too are to be a witness for the light and bring people 
to the light. But John the Baptist was a strange creature <laughs> by <laughs> cultural norm. He ate strange things and dressed uh, in awkward clothes. So, I mean, you even think about Jesus and how he was rejected, Paul, and how he was chased down and thrown in jail over and over and over again. So it's like, what are we really trying to do? Yeah. Yeah. Because none of them mm-hmm. <laughs> got this worldly acclaim. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite the opposite. And again, that is not to throw shade on on those because there are some who really do use that platform to preach the gospel. Yeah. But it's about doing what God has for you to do and to say. And just as you mentioned earlier, if we're too concerned about the crowd then our focus is not on what God, because sometimes God has us do and say some really difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. And we should live our life in a way where we lay aside those weights that so easily beset us. Like Hebrew says, that things that aren't going to keep us tethered as we run this race. And validation is a huge one that keeps us tethered. And holds us back and weighs us down. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Oh, that's a good word, sister. That's a good one. I think we should close there. Amen, amen. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Liberated Word. Join us next week for another riveting discussion about God's word. Be blessed.